welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lanning. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com, a local news blog covering Fishers, Indiana. Check out my website, LarryInFishers.com. You can sign up on the site for email alerts each time I post a new story. Also, follow my Twitter account. Find that at Larry in Fishers. The 2019 city general election made history in Fishers. For the first time in anyone's memory, Democrats were elected to local municipal office in Fishers, Indiana. Jocelyn Vare won an at-large seat on the Fisher City Council, and Sam DeLong was a winner in the North Central District Council race. As an election follow-up, I asked to speak with the winning Democrats. Jocelyn Vare quickly accepted that invitation. I spoke with Jocelyn Vare midday, Saturday, November 16th. I'm at Propeller Marketing, which is the business owned by Jocelyn Vare who is now the Fisher City Councilor-elect right. at large. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, and, and she has uh, is the winner in, in the first. She and, and Samantha DeLong are the first two Democrats to win a local election in anybody's memory. I don't think I, we could go back to the records. I don't think it's ever happened going back to when Fisher's was a town. So Jocelyn. Thank you for agreeing to do a post-election uh, postscript on on what's been happening here. So my I guess pleasure. Thank you for coming. My always my pleasure to talk to you and and the others who who uh, I have a, a great amount of respect not just for those who serve in government but those who run for office mm-hmm. successfully or or unsuccessfully. So my first question is pretty obvious. What's it been like for you since election night? Um, it's been wonderful. I've also caught up on a little bit of sleep, I'm happy to say. Um, just the outpouring of um, sentiments from the, the residents that were, um, I think, rooting for me. Also, I have to say a big thank you to my future colleagues on the city council that have reached out to me so very kindly. I especially want to thank Rich Block. He was he gave me a buzz on election night and our conversation was just so sweet and thoughtful and that meant the world to me. So that was nice. I'd also like to say a big thank you to Todd Zimmerman and Cecilia Coble. They've been um, just really uh, gracious and welcoming and I so appreciate that. Have you heard from the mayor yet? Um, yes, he sent me a note uh, immediately, and I look forward to meeting with him soon. Okay, very good. So, so far the welcome has been nice and warm, but yes. you'll be getting your hands dirty here in a couple of months. Yes. Just uh, actually getting on the council and doing that work. I do remember uh, talking with you at the point you had made the decision to run for council and had scheduled your announcement, hadn't made it yet. You told me then that at, at that particular time, and I think that was true throughout the campaign, you were not running just to send a message or be competitive. Your goal from the very beginning was to win. Yes. Uh, talk about the strategies you and your campaign team utilized during the campaign with the idea of trying to win this election. Sure. Um, that really was the driver the whole time was that 
Um, I knew that not only that I wanted to win the seat, but that there was a very good possibility that I could. If I had a good, solid team, and if I listened to residents and had them drive the strategy. Um, however, as you started your remarks at the very beginning, we knew that there had never been a Democrat elected to city council ever. So um, my strategy was to work hard like the underdog that I was along with my team, but always act like this was very winnable. And that confidence um, I was never sheepish or shy about being a Democrat. I always put that out there boldly. Um, but uh, you can't have good confidence without some good, solid, hard work. And we worked very hard. So how many people would you describe as on your campaign team? I mean, I, I'm sure it was big and small at different points. But uh, how, have you ever counted the number of people that were really with you and working with you on a regular basis from the time you announced up, up through election day? Um, well, I guess to answer that question, I would say dozens and dozens. And there were, I know, plenty of people in our community that promoted my campaign and shared uh, information about my campaign and worked in both big and small ways. Um, so the team was great and probably folks that I didn't even know that were uh, spreading the word and uh, sharing that information. But I especially want to credit um, the two leaders of my campaign that just linked arm and arm with me. My campaign manager, Leslie Galbraith, was amazing. And um, she jumped on my campaign uh, very quickly, almost a year ago now, and um, such a dear friend and an amazing strategist, too. And then my deputy campaign manager, his name is Amir Brando Corsero, and um, he started out as a data analyst for me and uh, graduated to deputy campaign manager because we realized his mind and the way that he could crunch numbers for a strategy for our campaign was invaluable. So that was my core team, but then we had dozens of volunteers that helped canvas and share information and uh, put up signs, and there are so many components of a campaign, and um, it was a blast the whole time, but it was a lot of hard work from many, many people. And I'm sure you did have to catch up on a little sleep, although you had a nice party there that I had an election. Yes, I had a chance did. to visit that very briefly, and you got a lot to celebrate. I want to just drill down on one thing you mentioned. You talked about data analysis. That was your, your assistant campaign manager. Correct was, and I'm sure still is, a data analyst, this whole number crunching and, and, and its involvement in politics. And people have studied the Trump campaign because that campaign used data. And the Obama campaign twice used data. And it changes as, as the way you analyze data changes. So uh, was there any particular strategy you used? Did you look at other campaigns? Or how did you find a template or a, your own way of using data to your advantage in your campaign? I think always with a grain of salt, right? So the, the data, the numbers, when you crunch numbers, that doesn't solve all your um, strategies or uh, point you necessarily in the right direction. But it does give you clues. And as you can imagine, our 
campaign did not have the financial backing to do polling or anything substantive like that. But um, we did look at previous voting histories. We uh, definitely, so again, I ran Fisher City Council at large. We had to impact the entire community, Um, but limited resources, despite the dozens of volunteers and uh, resources that we had, we knew that we couldn't touch every single household. So um, the data helped lead us to prioritize what households we could talk to uh, most efficiently. And frankly, it all came down to sharing information about, frankly, why I was running and why I wanted to serve, um, what uh, improvements I wanted to make for the community, but also um, uh, getting out the vote, getting people excited about voting for their community and coming out on November 5th. And and whether you like it or not, or think it's a good or bad idea, uh, these elections are low turnout elections. Despite efforts to bring people out, they are low turnout. So the key, and you and I have talked about this, uh, in the past, is that you have to have a strategy to get your voters out Correct. when you have a, a low voter turnout in general. How did you? How did your campaign approach that part of the campaign? Um, it was a little challenging. So for a few reasons. One is, as you know, there hasn't been many Democratic candidates in the past. And um, so we know we don't have robust data to work with. Um, But frankly, we were never focused on parties necessarily. We were focused on serving the community the best. However, we knew we had to get out the vote from not only uh, individuals who live in Fishers that are uh, open to voting for a Democrat, but also folks that typically do vote for Republicans and everyone in between. Um, So that took a lot of outreach. And I'll be honest with you, for the first several months, a lot of listening. We did a lot of listening of residents. What what issues were most important to them? And I do think that was one of our successful strategies was I wasn't just going in guns blazing with what Jocelyn thought was the right messaging or what I wanted to do. We really stopped to listen. And we tried to listen to... um, many different people in our community from many different populations and backgrounds and perspectives. And that's what shaped everything, everything. You are a marketer. You own a marketing company. How did you use those skills in this campaign? Mm. Um, Actually, not as much as I expected. I um, was very intrigued by the marketing exercise of a campaign, but I've never been involved with a political campaign before. Um, It was indeed very different than what I am used to. And my um, frame of reference is my company does marketing for communities across the state. We help them bring in tourism to their uh, communities and economic development opportunities. Well, this was a whole different animal. Um, however, in my uh, experience, everything that I, my expertise, is all reaching consumers, reaching households, reaching people, everyday people. Um, I cannot say, despite um, maybe the lack of direct political campaign expertise, what I knew is I have lived in Fishers for 21 years, And I knew that if I put residents' concerns first, that was the right thing to do. So um, I'm 
I, I did expect to like have a leg up, but I can't say that that we did. It's interesting <laughs> for you to say that. Now, you had one interesting strategy leading up uh, to Election Day, because, and you did some of this in your online material and your printed mm-hmm. material you put out. You urged voters just to vote for you. Right. This is an at-large election. There were four candidates, top three win seats. And you were you you urge people just to vote for you and not vote for anyone else, even though they could vote up to, any voter could vote for up to three Correct. people. Have you had a chance to run the numbers? Do you know how many people actually did that? Um, I have not, and I don't think all the data is fully available yet. That will be something that we will dig into. Um, but I will say I'm confident that that strategy was um, received and acted on by voters and certainly contributed to the success. Because I know that the, uh, the three Republican incumbents were running as a team and all of the material, I noticed uh, that their uh, direct mail and even their other uh, material always had the three of them as a team and you were saying, well, I'm my own team, basically. Just vote for me. And I'm, So at this point, you don't know how many people actually chose to do that, but you, it's your view that well, several I, did. I can, we felt very strongly that, one, we had a, a double message that we needed to motivate um, residents to take action on. One is, of course, to just go out and vote. But second, to consider voting for just me. Um, so that was the the double message. Um, we knew that because I was outnumbered, that the only real viable path to winning one of the seats was, and we called it bullet voting, which is only voting for one candidate, even though you have um, multiple votes available to you. So um, because we were successful, I my hunch is that that bullet voting had um, part part to do with that. Well, let's let's look forward to you joining the council in January. Let uh, I me. Mean, I'm going to ask you what your plans are as of right now, because you and and Samantha DeLong, she calls herself Sam. You and Sam DeLong are going to be just two Democrats out of nine. So there are seven Republicans and, and two Democrats on the council as of next year. So was it your plan? to try to work with the Republican members, find common ground with them and the mayor? Or do you expect you're going to be just kind of the outsider voting no sometimes? I mean, what is your approach going to be as you as you enter office? I said from the very beginning of my campaign that I was collaborative. And um, I'm very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to be very involved with the community for over a decade. So I already have established relationships with all the city councilors, city staff, Mayor Fadness, the deputy mayors. Like I have um, have a good personal relationship with them. Um, that doesn't mean that um, we won't disagree from time to time, but I'm very happy to have that established relationship with them. And hopefully I have already proven to them over the last 10 years of my community work that I am very collaborative. Um, I do not uh, anticipate at all uh, coming in, charging into city council and being um, an obstruction. However, I will be a challenge. And there's no doubt that my presence on the city council will change things, change the dynamic. 
Uh, one of the things I've already made clear to my uh, future colleagues on city council is one of the things that concerns me the most is just the pace of how decisions are made. And when we move in such a quick pace, uh, residents get removed from the process. And so opening up channels of communication to be sure that residents are informed and have an opportunity to provide feedback before big decisions are made, that's that's why I'm, I'm here to serve. So that will indeed be a challenge. Uh, that will be something, a new dynamic, we'll say. But I think the outcome of that could be very, very positive. You made public participation uh, one of your issues mm -hmm. in the campaign. You just touched on it now, which brings me to this question. What do you exactly plan to do? I mean, for example, when there is an economic development program that is brought before the council, that's usually after several weeks or months of negotiation the mayor's office has had with developers and other parties to try to bring it together. And usually by the time that happens, it's an up or down vote. Sure. You know, do you vote for it or against it? So in a situation like that, which that's a lot of what you may be dealing with, the mayor is usually very aggressive about putting these together. So when you have something like, like that in front of you, what would be your view on how to deal with public participation when you're under the gun? You must vote yes or no. How do you get that public participation in a scenario like that? That's a great question. And I think the answer is um, taking steps back before that vote. So um, I am not advocating for public consensus on every single decision that needs to be made in our community. I'm not talking about roadblocking or slowing things down to a screeching halt. However, um, I I, my observation on how the, our city leaders have proceeded with development projects, which is specifically what you mentioned, is residents, myself included, don't have a good sense of where our community is headed. So that overarching vision, which I feel strongly has to be articulated in more than just three words, uh, that needs to be communicated to residents so that they can provide feedback into it and um, help be a part of shaping that. So um, I, I think, again, to your question, as specific development um, uh, opportunities come up, the residents should all already have a good foundation of, hey, this is fitting within the vision of our city or it's not. Um, so I appreciate this is not the way that we have worked. This is not the way city leaders have formed a relationship with our residents. And I certainly am not saying this is going to happen overnight, but this has been a breakdown. And I do believe that that breakdown has created a little bit of distrust between our residents and our city leaders and our city leaders to our residents. So just, that's just, what I want to bridge. Just so people know what three words you're talking about. Yes. It's smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial. The mayor has used this, I think, since before he became mayor. And certainly since he's become mayor, that's been his mantra about how he'd like the city to be. So you're saying... Those three words are fine, but you want more than that. Is that Exa what I'm hearing exactly. you saying? Exactly. Right. Absolutely. And this is not something just you would be doing. The, the whole council has to be involved to make the sort of changes that 
that you want to make. And again, you are in the minority. You and Sam are in the minority on the council. How do you, and this kind of doves into a question I, mm-hmm. I dovetails into a question I asked earlier. How do you work with the whole council to see if you can put a system like that together where you've got this font cost of feedback and then when the the, the plan is presented to you, you feel you've had the feedback you need to make a decision. Right. Um, I think uh, several things that I'll be working on, and certainly um, what I am working on right now is very specifics for me, my priorities uh, moving forward. Again, I have this marvelous opportunity to represent the entire community on our, on our city council. So I am working now um, probably just a few weeks away from from announcing specific channels that I would like to open up. Uh, For me, it is creating uh, opportunities to collect data on how uh, performance has been on especially development projects that have been uh, implemented already over the last few years. There has been a lot of development and private investment in our community I would like to see a lot more data on the performance of that, and I know our residents do too. Um, Also, again, the vision moving forward. uh, Where is our community headed moving forward? Uh, Moving quickly can be okay as long as it's strategic and things are being evaluated in a very um, just big picture way and looking at all the effects. Every development project that has been implemented over the last, let's say, five years certainly has a domino effect, right? So it's more than just a building going on this lot um, on 116th Street. Uh, There's a ripple effect, whether it be financial to the community or traffic or parking, pedestrians. um, And for me, I want to be sure that that is all, all regarded and good decisions are made. And again, I'm not saying poor decisions have been made in the past necessarily, but I am saying residents in general, and I think this is what the most recent election has proven, are not tracking exactly with where our city leaders are going. I'm going back to the campaign for a moment. Um, there, there was one name that was never mentioned during this local campaign. I never mentioned it or brought it up because I wanted to see if anyone else did, and it didn't happen. That name was Donald Trump. Now, I know Republican candidates were prepared to ask that question had the public brought it up at the uh, League of Women Voters Forum. I got some mm-hmm. inside information, and they, they had an answer prepared for, for them. And I understand that local elections are about local issues. I certainly understand that. Uh, but you, and neither you nor any of the other Democratic candidates ever brought up President Trump or asked any of the Republican candidates to either criticize or support him in any way. Why did you make that decision? Oh, well, that was, uh, that's a great question. And that was a conscious decision. Uh, For me and my team, we felt like it wasn't relevant. It wasn't relevant. We were speaking with Fisher's residents. Um, I did tons of door-to-door canvassing with my fellow volunteers wore out a pair of shoes and um but it was always fun at the end of the day to check how many steps i did (laughs) so that was good but uh just to be clear like we visited so many different households and neighborhoods all across the community and um many times 
I would approach a home with a Donald Trump sticker on their car parked in the driveway, knowing that whoever is going to answer the door at this household has some opinion of the community that they live in that I can learn from. So it, it's, it's irrelevant for what this campaign was, which was serving Fisher's Best. Another development that's happened as a result of the campaign, and, and I mentioned this in our uh, podcast that we did during the campaign, mm-hmm. The fiscal conservatives of Hamilton County endorsed you in your campaign. The president of that political action committee is Bill Smythe, and he wrote a posting just a day or two ago on his website for the PAC, not his website, but the PAC's website, alleging that the uh, PAC's Republican members are being challenged within their own party for supporting a Democrat uh, many members of the PAC are Republican elected officials or precinct officials. At least one is an elected township board member. And that uh, at least the allegation in, in his post was that they're, that the party is kind of cracking the whip on party discipline with them, that they have not been supporting their party. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's their view of it. That's at least Bill Smythe's view of it at this time. And I th- I'm pretty sure he wrote that. It was put on the, the, the um, organization's website. What's your reaction when you hear something like that? Well, first of all, if I may, my uh, relationship with the PAC, which is the Fiscal Conservatives of Hamilton County, is I was one of their endorsed candidates. So I'm not a member of their PAC. Um, so I cannot. I certainly cannot speak for them. But I was one of their endorsed candidates, uh, one of, I believe, two non-Republican candidates uh, that they endorsed. And um, I was uh, very grateful for their endorsement, but uh, this was an organization that I was very familiar with, and my familiarity with them was what that they have publicly uh, discussed uh, and conversations that that they have tried to initiate in our community, and they've always positioned themselves as a bipartisan or, frankly, even nonpartisan uh, organization that advocates for smart fiscal responsibility and accountability in our municipalities across the county. I can tell you that my campaign aligned with that mission perfectly. Uh, We also align together with the need for making sure that residents were aware of tax rates, of community municipal debt levels, um, things like that, that it's up to the resident if they want to uh, participate in those types of conversations, but at least getting the information out to them, that was something that I shared with them. So I certainly cannot speak to the, the ripple effect of that endorsement, and I think uh, there might be more of a ripple effect um, of that endorsement because I was successful. Um, however, I'm, I can say the results of the election, my race, were clear, and it is clear to me by looking at the results that we had Democrats, Republicans, people in the middle um, voting for the candidates that they thought were best, And in my case, I think we definitely broke down some party barriers. And I'm happy to say, I'm grateful to say, it's clear from the results that residents did not just 
solely be motiva- motivated by the letter at the end of candidates' names to cast their, cast their vote. Okay, I've got one last question for you. Imagine that it's four years from now, and you look back on that first term that you've served. You'd be nearing the, the end of that first term on the council at that point. How will you measure success? Mm. That's a that's a really good question. I think on a, maybe two different ways. One is uh, personally to uh, just reconcile my actions, my votes, my outreach, my hard work with what I'm I'm saying right now today before I take office that is motivating me and what my commitment is. So that um, I think personally, I will uh, measure myself by where I am today, which is frankly to just work hard, do my best, and always, always, always put residents' concerns first. Um, That is going to be my driver for the next four years. I I think in another way that I'll measure myself is certainly outcomes. Uh, Have we improved the community for the betterment of today's residents and hopefully future residents too? So those are big, uh, big bars, I guess, that, that I want to be able to achieve. But I would not have ran if I didn't think I could do it. So I'm going to give it all all I've got. Jocelyn Vare is the Fisher City Councilor at Large elect and will be taking office uh, on January 1st. By the way, have you made any plans of the swearing in ceremony? No, yet? and I have not yet heard when the swearing ceremony is, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, sometimes people have their own, sometimes it's as a group. You haven't even looked at that yet. I guess one step at a time. So Thankfully, well, that'll be in January. That's, so. that's going to be late December or January, yes. depending on when you want it done. So, uh, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. My local news blog follows news in and around the Fishers area, so check it out. Once again, find it at LarryInFishers.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at LarryInFishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.